You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, Asbury, and thank you, band, for leading us this morning and in being grateful for our Uh, worship arts interns and our band that's led us. I also want you to meet a new team member of our spiritual life team. This is our assistant chaplain for worship, Ben Snook in the front row. Will y'all welcome Ben to Asbury? Ben uh, is from Holland, Michigan and comes via a school in Indiana. Indiana Wesleyan University, and we're thrilled. Uh, he just moved to Wilmore three weeks ago. Ben, you have jumped in with both feet, and we're excited he's a part of the Spiritual Life uh, team here. This summer, we put some fresh words to why we come together and what we are about when we're in chapel at Asbury. I want you to hear that our primary purpose is to come together as a community in a posture of listening and learning with the desire to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And our second aim when we're together in this space is to inspire and challenge you as students while cultivating a sense of belonging. Our sense of belonging to God and our sense of belonging to each other. It's why we're here together. If you would, pray with me as we begin. Father, on this Wednesday morning, this first week, we commit this semester to you. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and our ears to hear you and to meet with you and for our minds to be transformed by your presence. In Jesus, we ask together, amen. Well, we as faculty and staff are so incredibly grateful. I hope you've heard this over and over again this week. And what has been a gift for us is hearing how incredibly grateful you are to be back. The excitement that you've brought and the thanksgiving for what Asbury and many people have poured into across this summer that we could be here together. You were missed over the last five months. Uh, We're not going to say that enough. Five months is too long. And so welcome courageous class up in the balcony. I know only part of you are here this morning, uh, but welcome. And the rest of you, I've heard stories since we've been back together about those mixed emotions uh, that took place on March 11th, the start of spring break number one is what it was. And so you've reflected back and kind of all those mixed feelings of are we gonna see each other again and if so, when? On March 11th, I was getting on an airplane to go to a meeting in Houston. And some of you were leaving to go home or go somewhere else. How many of you were on an airplane on March 11th? Anybody else fly like the day before that or that day or the next day? It was a pretty, it was a pretty weird experience, wasn't it? it? It was one of those kind of surreal experiences that has kind of 
been normalized for us. And that was my first experience of starting to wear the mask. How can this mask become a symbol of division? So I want to tell you another story that happened for me across this summer. I went to the beach and I've got a picture because Jeannie said it was required for a family picture. But Hayden Dwyer, 2020 graduate, we're sitting there on the beach. There was less than 10 of us in this gathering. I want you to know we were legal. And social media kind of connected us. He said, hey, Greg, my family's in town. Can we come see you guys? So there's Isaac. He's nine. So he gets to close his eyes during the picture. And a smile is bonus from a nine-year-old boy anytime. And we got to hang out on the beach. Another time, a few weeks later, my family snuck away again to a different beach. We were in Florida and we were close to Sarasota for any of you that have been to that part of the coast. And this beach we were on had everything blocked off. So anyone that wasn't staying on this little island couldn't go to the beach. So when my wife and I went jogging in the morning, we would go a mile down the beach and pass 10 people, very isolated. Then we went to pick up some food for dinner on a, on a different island. You know how those little, uh, those islands are connected. And so we drive off the island and we go to pick up our food and it's an entirely different atmosphere, like pre-pandemic atmosphere, you know? So then we're driving back on the island and we, we see kind of where we're staying. There's this sign that says, everyone wear your mask and social distance. And then the next day we are going to pick up some donuts at our favorite little spot uh, that we've been to a couple of other times. And so we drive down and if you've been to Florida beaches, you may know this one, Siesta Key, it's one of the most popular beaches in all of Florida. And so we drive off the island onto this other island and we go grab these donuts and then we're like, hey, let's go just drive by the beach. And hey, wide open, it's like pre-pandemic. And so this little spot was representative to everything that we're living in. And this, we stayed in this place that was like sandwiched between two other realities. So there were realities going on on these islands above and below Longboat Key. And then there was this other reality going on there. There was like strictness and there was like liberation. Pandemic. It's given us a world that's in solidarity, but a world that is in no way unified. No surprise that when a virus created the conditions for a mask to just fall into our daily lives, that suddenly there was another symbol, symbol 150 in our culture that we could turn into something divisive because it's the nature of what goes on around us. To polarize, even to cancel. So Paul's letter to the Ephesians, it was written in a time of tension 
in the first century. Our theme of unified comes from Ephesians chapter 2. And so I do want to ask you to stand together as we hear God's word with one another. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 17. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises of God. You didn't know those promises that he had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Polarization, division, they are the contrast of being unified. Polarization, division, they are our culture's manifestation of disunity. And so in this passage, as Ephesians 2 verse 11 opens up, there are some simple words for us to hear a summary of what the polarized life looks like. Not unified with God, not unified with each other, and not unified with the covenants and the promises of God. So as Paul was talking to both Jews and Gentile Christians, he addresses the Gentile group as the men and women who were at, at one time on the wrong end of this polarized division. Outsiders, uncircumcised heathens, just to make it pretty distinct, living apart from Christ, excluded from citizenship among God's chosen people, ignorant of God's covenant promises, living without hope and without God. So Paul's reference to Jewish Christians spoke how they were proud of their circumcision. 
even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. You know about the sign of circumcision. It was meant to point to a spiritual reality, to circumcision of the heart, that the heart's bent towards itself and towards self-interest was circumcised and it becomes a heart bent toward God. So Paul highlighted how Jewish Christians had lived separated from God. Our example today might be something like baptism as an outward symbol that becomes useless if the heart is not transformed by the inward cleansing that the baptism is representing. The polarized life built this, it built divisions in the first century. And the polarized life still has impact today. Not being unified with God and not being reconciled with God's people. And so verses 13 and 14, they bring us into our theme that we are resting in and living into across this year. Being united with Christ transforms the polarized life. And it can transform a polarized culture. The far away from God brought near to God. Salvation. Paul is declaring the power of salvation. That instead of living far away from him and from the covenants of God, Paul says there's an entirely different identity possible for us. Earlier in chapter two, verse six, he said, God raised us up with Christ and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms. We're made for a different identity. The first three chapters of Ephesians declare it over and over again, that we're invited to be identified with Jesus and set with him in the heavenly realms. It's our calling. It's the, it's the theology that declares who you are when your life is in Christ. And since Paul is an apostle to the Gentiles, he's declaring that they've been united with Christ, that they have been unified with God. Verse 14. Being with Christ transforms polarized relationships. Our temptation to polarize relationships. Jesus has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people in his own body on the cross. That was the work that was accomplished. The implications of this unity, just to spell it out, uncircumcised became part of the same group with the circumcised. Those who were separate from Christ were invited into those who knew him. Those who did not have access to citizenship stepped in and became part of the group who had citizenship. 
those who were foreigners to whatever God had promised, they were one with those who had received what God had promised. Those who were without hope joined in and became people of hope. And those who were without God in the world stepped in to the circle who were believing that they were living with God in the world. Jesus brought peace. He made two groups one. And establishing peace, it required the destruction of a barrier. A dividing wall of hostility is what Paul called it. Some Christians wish that our country would quit talking about race. And you can't read the apostle Paul and not deal with race. If you stand on the words that we have been saved by faith, by grace through faith alone, if you say that we are new creations, the old is gone, the new has come, the apostle who gave us those truths is the apostle who gives us these words today. And do you know why Paul, where he was when he wrote this book, he was a prisoner as he was writing to us. He was in Roman custody because he had been accused of bringing an Ephesian Gentile beyond the temple's outer courts. In the Old Testament, Gentiles were giving, given access in a temple, into the temple, but purity laws would, would change that access. And so that's what had happened. And Paul violated that and was imprisoned because he took an Ephesian Gentile beyond the temple's outer courts. Acts chapter 21, verses 27 to 29. And so when he comes to verse 14 and he declares that Christ broke down the wall of hostility that separated us, Paul's embodying that. He walked into the temple knowing that walls still existed and that Jesus came to tear down those walls. So in a world where pandemics, racial injustices, and politics erect hostile walls of division, Paul brings a message of a movement that can break down walls. March 11th was one day reflecting back. March 25th was a different date that stood out to us in the last few months. It lit another spotlight on a wall of hostility. Memorial Day was the murder of George Floyd and it was an event that raised the spotlight on other unjust deaths like that of Breonna Taylor that happened right here in Kentucky, the death of Ahmaud Arbery, and the list could go on. 
And so the race crisis has been front and center in our country since May 25th. And I know that many of you have grieved. I want to show a picture of what happened in Wilmore about two or three weeks after Memorial Day. We're a small town. There were many images in cities across the country. And, and people hadn't really seen each other. Uh, so for more than a couple of hundred people to show up in Little Wilmore and walk down the streets and declare that there are realities in our country that need to change. And I stood after we heard several stories and speeches and testimonies and a man next to me, a black man that's in his 70s, he told me that he had grown up since he was seven in a church here in Wilmore. And he looked at me and he said, I've never seen, I've never seen anything like this today in what's happening. I can't believe this is happening. Seeing that in a little small town that people were coming together across racial lines. Some of you weren't surprised at the protest and the riots. Some of you learned much more about the depth and breadth of racial injustices and systemic racism. And some of you have been increasingly sensitized to realities like white privilege. Becoming impassioned against hostile divisions is exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul. He had once lived with violence against people who belonged to the kingdom, who were people of the way. He lived with hostility that promoted division and his encounter with Jesus gave him a radically different story and a radically different call. He encountered one that brought him to say that Christ destroys dividing walls. At the dawn of a semester, at this point in your own journey, what dividing walls are you praying to come down? Back in July, there is a small event that happened on campus. Those of you that are part uh, of the appointed class and surrendered class, faithful class, you spent time in those walls the home of beloved student development. And often we look at walls and we never imagine them coming down. And on that fateful day in July, it really took only a few hours to obliterate walls. Some of you watched it online. And those walls coming down they make way for something new. I mean, right here on our own campus, we even grasp 
and trust and know that it's making way for something better? What dividing walls are you praying to come down this semester? Do you know the sayings of Jesus? Because I know that you do. Do the actions of Jesus intersect with the way that you discern what is going on in the world? God did something very broad according to, To John 3, we hear the vastness of how God loves everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loves all. Jesus also lived in a way that he made some very specific declarations. Maybe you've even seen this post. Jesus' actions declared that Samaritan Samaritan lives matter. Jesus said, children's lives matter. When the time called for it, Jesus declared that Gentile lives matter. He said, as he stood next to a Samaritan woman, he said with every part of who he was, that women's lives matter. In the same way that a hundred years ago yesterday, on August the 18th, 1920, that the women's suffrage movement brought to vote and gave women the right to vote in the United States 100 years ago. When enough people declared that a specific group of people matters and they're committed to bringing down a wall of hostility, kingdom advances. Jesus said that lepers' lives matter. And even though Jesus loved everyone and he died for the sins of the entire world, he went out of his way to help specific groups of people. He fought for the alienated, the mistreated, and he fought anytime people were facing injustice. The band's going to come and give us place and space to respond to God. Paul lays out the gospel in Ephesians chapter 2. He calls us to have holy hearts, hearts without barriers. He calls us to live in a kingdom community. And he calls us to live without hostility towards others that are created in the image of God. Jesus came to be our peace, to break a dividing wall of hostility. And whether that hostility is between you and God because of the sin that is in us, or that hostility is between you and others, he has come to bring those far away from God to a place of being united with the Father. He came to abolish a barrier that separates us from relationships. How is God inviting you to be more unified with him this year? And what relationships is he calling you to remove barriers? Let's pray together. 
Holy Spirit, we pray for your word to move within us. Lord, make us holy. And Father, guide us into the path of your kingdom and of your way. And speak to us this morning in Jesus' name.